This morning I want to speak to you about some questions about the rapture. With all that's going on in our world today, the war in Israel and all of the things that are happening, and I spoke this week with Brother John Nelms who works with a lot of uh, national pastors in the Middle East and there's great concern for all that's going on over there. Uh, one of our missionaries there was over there distributing or getting Bibles into the, some of the uh, Muslim countries and, and had to very quickly get out. And some of the countries over there are completely closed down. You can't go in or out, even if you're a national in that country. And uh, so we see all this going on. One of the things that Brother Nelm said to me is he said, he said, they're not telling us everything that's going on. And we all know that. And uh, we know when you watch the news, you can believe about half of it. And uh, we're not even sure about that half. But uh, anyway, the one thing is, Israel plays an important part in the future. And we keep our eye on Israel. Israel is God's time clock. And with all that's going on in our world that is just getting increasingly more wicked and unsafe and challenging for believers, we begin to think more about the Lord's return, don't we? When is the Lord coming back? Could be today, amen? Could be at any moment. And I believe the rapture is the next event on God's prophetic calendar. It is the event in which all of those of us who have put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and been born again, will suddenly be taken out of this world to heaven to be with the Lord. And I think it's set to occur at an unspecified time, but could occur at any moment. And so the Apostle Paul, in writing in 1 Thessalonians, he tells us in verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. We read a similar verse in our Sunday school this morning, and I mentioned that I think one of the biggest denominations in the world today is the denomination of ignorant brethren. We have a lot of ignorant brethren. God doesn't want us to be ignorant about His Word, does He? He wants us to be in the Word and learning and growing. So as we think about the rapture, there are several questions that I want to answer this morning, and then we'll continue that tonight. But first of all, the first question, what does the word rapture mean? When we talk about the rapture, what does it mean? And in our world today, when you talk about the rapture and all the saved people caught up and out of this world, the world thinks we're crazy. Amen? I think that's some far out story, something that's crazy. But uh, it's very real. You believe the Bible. The Bible tells us that Jesus was going to come to this earth the first time and that he would pay sin's debt and he would die, be buried, and rise again from the dead. All of that was prophesied, and he fulfilled that, and he came the first time, and just as sure as he did the first time, he's coming back the second time. So as we think about the meaning of this word rapture, the word rapture is derived from a Latin verb that means to catch up and carry off. It is also a translation of a Greek word, harpazo. It occurs 14 times in the New Testament, and it has at least four different meanings. When you think about rapture in this Greek word harpazo, there are at least four different meanings, and each of those four meanings helps us understand a little bit more about the rapture and what it really is. First of all, the first meaning is to carry off by force. 
Satan and his demonic cohorts will do everything in their power to keep saints here on this earth. Now, that's save people. Before we get saved, the devil's goal is to get us off this earth before we get saved. He'd like us to spend eternity in hell forever. But thank God, there's a way that we don't have to do that, and that's by faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, the devil is mighty, but God is almighty. Amen? He's the almighty God and the all-powerful God. So the first meaning is to carry off by force. The second meaning is to claim for oneself eagerly. To claim for oneself eagerly. Now, when you think about that, at the end of this present age of which we live today, our Lord's going to come back, and He is going to claim for Himself His very own people. He has redeemed us by His precious blood. We've been bought, we've been saved, we've been born again, and He's going to come back one of these days to take us to be with Him for all of eternity. So it means to carry off by force. It means to claim for oneself eagerly. The third meaning is to snatch away speedily. To snatch away speedily. This definition emphasizes the sudden nature of the rapture. In a split moment, in a split second, the Lord will call us unto himself to get to go to heaven and to share with him in his glory for all of eternity. And not one single believer will be left behind. Amen? Every one of us will be caught up and will be snatched away speedily. The Bible says in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye, that's pretty fast, we'll be gone. You know, sometimes people say, well, I'll meet you on the way. You know, I don't think we'll have time to meet on the way. We're just going to be boom when we're there. We're with the Lord. The fourth meaning is to rescue from danger of destruction. To rescue from danger of destruction. That provides for us a strong support that the church will be kept from the danger and the destruction of the tribulation period. The two most important events in this world history are the first coming and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we give great attention to the first coming and every year we celebrate Christmas, the first coming of the Lord. He came to earth and we should give attention to that. But I believe the second coming deserves no less attention. Amen? In fact, we should have even a greater emphasis on the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ than the first coming. For every prophecy in the Bible about the birth of Christ and His first coming, there are eight prophecies about His second coming. Of the 260 chapters in the New Testament, there are 318 references to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there ought to be an emphasis, yes, on the first coming, but there ought to be a greater emphasis on the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that brings me to this. The Bible speaks of six raptures. Now some of you immediately, you're thinking, what six raptures? What in the world are you talking about? Well, there are six raptures in the Bible. Four of them have already taken place. You say, well, I must have missed it. No, you didn't miss it. The first one was a man by the name of Enoch. Enoch was taken in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24. It says, And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Hebrews 11 verse 5 says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, 
and was not found because he had, God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What a wonderful testimony to have before the rapture that he pleased God. Wouldn't it be great if that was your testimony and my testimony, that we please the Lord? I believe Enoch and God were walking together one day, and as they walked for a while together and talked, now this is just my own interpretation, I believe God said to Enoch, Enoch, we're closer to my home than we are yours, so why don't you just go on home with me today? And God took Enoch with him, took him to heaven. The second rapture is a man by the name of Elijah. In 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, It came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And verse 11 says, And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. So Enoch was raptured, and Elijah was raptured. Elijah and Elisha are walking along and talking, and all of a sudden, a whirlwind and a chariot of fire, and Elijah's gone, and he's with the Lord. And it'll be just as sudden for you and for me. One day, the trumpet will sound, and we'll be gone. We'll be with the Lord. The third rapture is the rapture of Jesus. In Mark 16, verse 19, it says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and sat on the right hand of God. In Acts 1, verses 9 and 10 and 11, it says, And when he had spoken these things, while they, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So these men said to the disciples and others gathered there, You've seen Jesus ascend into heaven, and this same Jesus is going to come back again. Now, we don't have a problem with Enoch. We don't have a problem with Elijah. We don't have a problem with Jesus. They were all raptured. But somehow when we talk about the rapture of believers, sometimes we struggle with believing that. Just as sure as Enoch and Elijah and Jesus were raptured, one day we're going to be raptured too. There's a fourth rapture that's all taken, already taken place, and that was called a man in Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it is most likely the Apostle Paul himself. In verse 2 and 3 and 4 of 2 Corinthians 12, it says, Paul says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Evidently, the Apostle Paul was given the privilege to be caught up into heaven and to see some things that he was not even allowed to tell what he saw. Some things I'm sure he saw, our language could not describe it. The beauty, the glory, the wonder of all that he saw there. But he was taken up into heaven. And in fact, later on in that passage of Scripture, we find that the Lord in order to keep him from becoming prideful and boasting about what he had seen and what he had experienced, God gave him a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. You know, today, if something like that happened, we'd come back 
and we'd be on, on uh, Fox News and we'd be on all the other news channels all across the television and we'd be telling everybody, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. Here's what, and we'd be, t and we would be just as proud as a peacock, wouldn't we? Because we saw something that nobody else has ever seen. We're special. Well, God said, Paul, I don't want you to get prideful. And so he gave him a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet him. And Paul said, he said, I prayed three times for the Lord to take that away. And he didn't. And he said, I've learned to glory in my infirmities. He said, because when I am weak, then I am strong. Then I depend more upon the Lord. And so we think it was the Apostle Paul was the fourth that was raptured. There are two raptures that are still to come. They've not taken place yet. The first of those is the two witnesses during the tribulation period. Revelation chapter 11, verse 3. The Lord said, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. Then in verse 11 it says, After three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. These witnesses had been killed, and they lie in the street for three days. And the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and the enemies beheld them. So these two witnesses, they're going to be witnessing during the tribulation period, and the, the Antichrist is going to have them killed and put to death, and then they'll lie in the streets and people will see them lying there dead for, for three days, and then God's Spirit's going to come into them and He's going to raise them, and they'll walk around and ascend back into heaven, and they'll be raptured during the tribulation period. The fourth rapture is the rapture of believers. I want you to look at Revelation chapter 4 with me. And verse number 1. And the rapture of believers is what we read in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Brother Craig read for us earlier. In Revelation chapter 4, it gives us a little bit of an idea of the time frame of when this rapture is going to take place. And in chapter 4 and verse 1, John says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, as it were, of a trumpet, it sounds like 2 Thessalonians chapter 4, talks about the trumpet. He heard the trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So Revelation chapter 4 is the rapture of believers, the rapture of the church, the bride of Christ. We're caught up together to be with the Lord. And then you get into all of the other things, and I'm not going to get into all of that this morning, but all of the tribulation, all the... All the judgments of God that are poured out upon this earth during the seven-year tribulation period. The tribulation period is God primarily dealing with the nation of Israel to bring judgments upon them. And if we've, we've studied that, we've gone through the book of Revelation not too long ago. And those judgments, many of them are related to the twelve or to the ten plagues that, that uh, Moses brought God through Moses on the children of Israel before they were able to leave Egypt and come out of Egypt into the promised land. And the Jewish people know about that and they, they understand all of that. And so much of that's going to take place. God's going to be dealing with the nation of Israel during the tribulation period time to bring them to the point of understanding that Jesus Christ is the true Messiah. You see... Some years ago, and I've had the opportunity of visiting Israel a couple of times, but the first time I went was back in, I think it was 1988 or 89, somewhere around there. 
And when I went over, you would see these high-rise apartment buildings, and they would have banners hanging out the windows from several, across sometimes several apartments, and it would say, Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming. And the Jewish people are still looking for the Messiah. We know the Messiah has already come, amen? He came the first time, and we know he's coming back the second time, and we're looking for him to come back the second time, the rapture of the believers. That brings me to the second thing, and that is, how does, does the word rapture appear in the Bible? You know, sometimes people say, well, you talk about the rapture. Uh, does that appear in the Bible? Well, the answer is no. The word rapture does not appear in the Bible. That might shock you. But neither does the word trinity, or the word demon, or the word Bible, or the word grandfather. None of those are found in the Bible, and yet we know there's a trinity, we know there are demons, we know there are grandfathers, they do exist, and we know the rapture is a reality. It will take place. So just because the word doesn't appear there, our word rapture does not mean that there's not a rapture there. So then the third thing is, when will the rapture occur? Well, get out your calendar, I'm going to give you the date and tell you, no, When's the rapture going to take place? Go with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 24, and verse 42. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42. Notice what the Bible says. You're familiar, many of you are, with these verses. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42... The Bible says, watch therefore. Now let me just stop and say this. God said to us, we are to watch. We're to be looking. In fact, the Bible tells us that there is a, a special crown that God has for those who love His appearing, those who are looking and watching. So He says to every one of us, watch therefore. Why? For ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. He says we're to watch. We don't know the hour. We don't know when the Lord is coming. And when we're not expecting it, that's when he's going to come. So watch, be ready, be watching. Beware of anybody who sets a date and tries to tell you when Jesus Christ is coming back again. The Lord said, you know not what hour your Lord will come. Nobody knows the hour, nobody knows the date. Through the years of history, people have set dates and they have been embarrassed by it. The Jehovah's Witnesses set dates back in 1944, I think it was, and they said he was going to come, and a lot of them sold their property, went out and onto a mountain in California and waited for him to come, and he didn't come, and then they said, well, we made a little mistake, it's a few years later, and he didn't come that time, and there have been all kinds of predictions about when the Lord's coming. Whenever somebody sets a date, you can pretty well mark it down, they're wrong, because nobody knows when he's going to come. Now, there are four main views concerning the occurrence of the rapture on the prophetic calendar. Four basic ideas about when the Lord is going to come. First of all, there is the post-tribulation rapture. Post means after. There are those that believe the rapture is going to take place after the tribulation. They believe there's going to be the seven years of the tribulation period, and then at the end of that seven years, the rapture will take place. 
The second group are called the mid-tribulation rapturists. They believe that the tribulation is seven years, but halfway through, three and a half years through the tribulation, the Lord's going to come back and we'll, we'll miss the last three and a half years. The third group is a more recent group. It's called the pre-wrath rapture. They believe that you get to the three and a half, the halfway through the period, and then they think halfway through the second half he's going to come back. And it's the pre-wrath, the, before the, the outpouring of God's wrath, the rapture is going to take place. And then the fourth is what we believe, the pre-tribulation rapture. We believe Jesus is coming back. It's the next thing on God's timetable. Then there will be the seven-year period of tribulation, and then there will be Christ coming back and the millennial reign of Christ on earth. And I'll explain a little bit of that as we go along. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you'll turn there with me, notice what it says in verses 1 and 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'd like you to look at those verses with me. Look at verse 1 and 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. All right, Paul is writing. He said, You don't need to worry about the times and the seasons. For yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. What's the thief in the night mean? Thief comes at nighttime to surprise you, right? You're not expecting him, and he comes surprisingly. So he says, the day of the Lord, so cometh as a thief in the night. Verse, then if you'll look down to verse number 9, it says in verse 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's going to come back. He's not appointed us to wrath. In other words, He's coming back before the wrath of God is poured out during that seven-year tribulation period. We will be raptured before the tribulation. He's not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Now, this correct view of the rapture <coughs> means that all of the believers, living or dead will not go through the seven-year tribulation period. At, if you remember back in chapter 4, in verse number 15, he says, For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together, uh, alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. The dead, he talks about in verse 14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also that sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. When Jesus comes back, those that sleep in Jesus, that's the saved people whose body was placed in the grave, but their soul and spirit is with the Lord. And when Jesus comes back, He's going to bring them with Him. And then He says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, We which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, that word prevents an old English word that means precede, we won't precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now that's not talking about the Baptists, the dead in Christ. It's talking about people who are, who are saved and have died. He said the dead in Christ shall rise first. So our loved ones who are saved are in the grave. They're going to rise first. And then verse 17 says, Then we which are alive, those of us that are still remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So at the rapture, the Lord's not coming to the earth. He's coming in the clouds. We'll be caught up 
first the dead in Christ, then we that are alive are caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And the best part is the rest of that verse, so shall we ever be with the Lord. From then on, we'll forever get to be with the Lord. Now let me just stop and say this before we go on. Post-tribulation, mid-tribulation, pre-wrath, pre-tribulation. All of those four beliefs about the tribulation do not affect our salvation. Amen? So you say, can I fellowship with somebody who doesn't agree with me? Sure. If they agree with me on salvation and on the blood of Christ as, as full payment for our sins... We may have some struggles with our fellowship, but we can still fellowship. That, that doesn't mean they're not saved. If you believe any of those, you can believe them and still be a child of God, still put your faith and trust in the, in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, you're going to be shocked when the rapture takes place if you don't have the right <laughs> belief about it. But we can still be brothers and sisters in Christ and can still fellowship together. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, we read it a moment ago, the Lord said, Come up hither. That is directed to John, but it's a picture of the rapture of the saved during the New Testament church age. Now that brings me to the fourth question, and that is, is the rapture the same event as the second coming of Christ? We talk about the first coming and the second coming. Are they both the same? Is the rapture and the second coming of Christ the same? And the answer, in short, is no, they're not the same thing. There are, they are kind of like two peaks to the same mountain. If you're up in an airplane and you see a, a, a mountain off in the distance, you can sometimes see a mountain that has several peaks on that mountain, and sometimes there's a valley between them, and that's kind of like the, the, the rapture and then the second coming. There are two peaks of a mountain with the valley of the tribulation in between them. At the rapture, Christ comes for his saints, okay? He comes in the clouds for the saved. We're going to be caught up together to be with him. He's coming for us. At the rapture, the Lord's not coming to the earth. He's coming in the clouds. He'll be in the sky. We'll be caught up together to be with him. At the rapture, he comes suddenly. He snatches his own, catches his own up. This is the catching up of the, of the church, of the bride of Christ that occurs just at the beginning of the tribulation period. The tribulation will be an, an extended time of horror and agony and devastating like nothing ever seen before on this earth. And the rapture is God's provision for His saints to escape that wrath of God that's poured out upon this earth. Some people will say, well, we're already in the tribulation. You read the book of Revelation, you haven't seen nothing yet. You haven't seen nothing compared to the wrath of God that will be poured out. In fact, it will be so great, the Bible says, that men will cry for the rocks and mountains to fall on them, to hide them from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne. Man, instead of during that tribulation period, crying out to God for repentance, will try to hide from God because of the wrath that's going to be poured out upon Him. Listen to what He told the church at Philadelphia. In Revelation 3 and verse 10, He says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them and dwell upon the earth. God said to the church of Philadelphia, 
you've been faithful to me, I'm going to keep you from that wrath. I'm going to take you out of this world before that wrath comes upon this, this world. John 14, you know the verses, verse 1 to 3, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. We don't have to be troubled. We don't have to be be worried about the rapture. We ought to be concerned about our condition and being right with the Lord and all of that. But if you're saved, you don't have to worry about it. It's going to take place and you're going to go home to be with the Lord. And the Lord said in verse 2, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. The Lord Jesus Christ himself said, I've gone to prepare a place for you, and one day I'm going to come back and take you to be with me where I am. In the, old, in the, in the, in the Bible days, and particularly the Old Testament days, the Jewish weddings, oftentimes there would be, a, there would be an engagement, and then the, 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 the groom would go for a year's period of time and he would prepare the house and prepare the, the tent or wherever they were going to live and the dwelling place and he would get things all ready. And at the end of that year, there would be a whole procession that would come back to get the bride. And that is a picture of when the procession, when the Lord's coming back to get his bride and he's going to take us to be with him for all of eternity. Go back and look with me again there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says in verse 13, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those who have died in the Lord, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. When our loved ones die who are saved, we sorrow, but not like the lost people do. He says, ye sorrow not as the others which have no hope. We have hope, don't we? We're going to see our loved ones again. I was talking to Joe this morning about his grandpa passing away this week, and I said, Joe, he's having a wonderful time today. We're here in church, and, and I can't imagine what heaven's going to be like. And our loved ones who have passed away, my dad and mom are there, and I have some brothers that are there. I have some other relatives that are there, friends that are there. They're with the Lord, and the Lord said, he said, we have hope. The hope, the blessed hope that Jesus is coming back and one day we'll be caught up. We'll all be together and forever we'll be with the Lord. That's our hope. And that's not a hope like you say, well, is it going to rain today? And you say, well, I hope it doesn't. That's not what that hope means. This is a confidence that we have that Jesus Christ is coming back again. And so he says, we sorrow not as others which have no hope. We have hope. Hope. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Paul said, this is not my word, this is the word of the Lord. That we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. One of the most comforting passages of Scripture when we go to a funeral or a graveside, to be able to say, the Lord coming back someday. We're going to have a grand and glorious reunion in heaven with our loved ones one of these days. So remember this, the rapture 
introduces the tribulation. All right? We're going to see in just a moment that the second coming of Christ concludes the tribulation. So the rapture takes place, we're caught up together, seven-year tribulation period here on earth. In heaven, that, during that time, there'll be the marriage supper of the Lamb, the judgment seat of Christ, and then the Lord comes back and we come with Him, and He comes to earth. That's the second coming. Rapture, seven years later, second coming, and He sets up His kingdom, and He will rule and reign from Jerusalem on this earth for a thousand years. You know, we have election coming up next year, and we think, we pray, Lord, give us a Give us a, a good president. We like to see a conservative president, amen? A constitutional president. We'd like to have a Christian president, amen? But wouldn't it be wonderful if you had Jesus as the president? Amen? One of these days we will. He'll rule the whole world from Jerusalem. That's the second coming when he comes to earth and sets up his kingdom and rules for a thousand years. So, the first coming, the rapture, he comes for his saints. The second coming, seven years later, he comes with his saints. We're coming with him back to this earth. The second coming of Christ concludes the tribulation, and we'll get to be with him for all of eternity. So the rapture, he comes for the saints, the revelation, he comes with the saints. And you know, sometimes God puts the rapture and the revelation in the same passage of Scripture. And so it's important for us to read the context and understand which he's talking about. The rapture is for the saints, the revelation is with the saints when he comes back to earth. And sometimes they're both in the same passages of Scripture. So we study and see what God has to say about them. I want you to look at a couple of passages and we'll finish up for this morning. Look with me at Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, verse number 11. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. We're talking about the second coming and the Lord coming back to earth to set up His kingdom on this earth. In verse 11 it says, And I saw heaven open. Behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness does he judge and make war. Who's that talking about? That's Jesus, isn't it? He's going to be riding on that white horse. Verse 12, His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen and white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it, he should smite the nations, and he should rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, when he comes back at the rapture, he's going to take us out. When he comes back with us and with the hosts of heaven, he's going to set up his kingdom, and he's going to rule as King of kings and Lord of lords for a thousand years here on this earth. Go back just a few pages to the book of Jude right before Revelation. Only one chapter there, two verses. Look at verse 14 and 15 with me. Jude, verses 14 and 15. It says in verse 14, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints, 
Notice that word with. He's coming with the saints. That's not the rapture. He's coming for the saints. The second coming is with the saints. Verse 15, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. He talks about ungodly deeds, ungodly committed, ungodly sinners. Why is there so much ungodliness going on? Because the saved people are taken out seven years before this. And, and during that tribulation period, with, with saved people gone, this world's going to be a wicked, ungodly place to live in. And when the Lord comes back with His saints to set up His kingdom, He's going to deal with all of these ungodly people and take care of them. Back a little bit further into the Old Testament, look at Zechariah chapter 14. Just Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Zechariah is right before that. Zechariah and then Malachi. Look at Zechariah chapter 14. Some of you haven't been there for a long time. It's in there. Right before Malachi. Zechariah 14. Begin reading with me in verse number 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Now it sounds like that's what's happening right now, doesn't it? But all nations are not gathering against Jerusalem. I'm glad the United States is still for Israel. But there'll come a day when all the nations will come against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and towards the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. The Lord's going to come back. There's going to be a great battle. He's going to deal with the ungodly. And then He's going to set up His kingdom and rule there in Jerusalem for a thousand years. So the second coming, the first coming was when He came to earth as a child and was born as a baby in Bethlehem. The rapture is when he comes in the clouds for the saints were caught up. The tribulation period, seven years. Then the second coming of Christ, he comes back with the saints. We come with him. That's why that last verse, in, or next to the last verse in 1 Thessalonians 4 says, So shall we ever be with the Lord. It doesn't say, So shall we ever be in heaven, does it? It says, We'll ever be with the Lord. And he's going to come back to this earth, and we're going to get to come with him. And he's going to set up his kingdom. That's the second coming. So the rapture and the second coming are two parts of that second coming, you could say. They're different in, in the activity that takes place. So the Lord's going to come back, set up his kingdom. A thousand years, he'll rule on earth. That's what we call the millennium. The Old Testament prophets spoke almost exclusively about the second stage of the second coming, His coming and setting up His kingdom on earth. The primary reason is that that second stage is the climactic event in the history of the present world. The first stage, the rapture, is essentially the primary event that sets the scene for the second. 
But there's another reason why the Old Testament doesn't talk much about the rapture, and that is that the prophets in the Old Testament were kind of looking across that mountain and they didn't see the first peak, they saw the second peak. And they didn't have the clarity that we have looking back on the coming of the Lord and what we have the rest of Scripture today. In fact, listen to what 1 Peter says in verse 10 and 11. It says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. You see, the Old Testament prophets didn't have the privilege of having a New Testament. They didn't have the book of Revelation. And there were some things that God revealed to them that they recorded for us that they didn't completely understand. And we have the rest of the book. And we have a lot more that helps us to understand what's going to take place. And we're looking forward to that. There are many distinguishing differences between the two stages of the Lord's return, between the rapture and the second coming. And we'll pick up with those tonight. I'm going to look at some comparisons. What's the difference in the rapture and the second coming? And then we'll talk a little bit more about, about the, the rapture and what's going to take place in the future. The important thing for us to know is the next thing on God's timetable is Jesus is coming again. He said, watch therefore. He even gave a, told us there's a special reward for those who are looking for His coming. He doesn't tell us, look for the tribulation. He doesn't say, watch for the tribulation. As a matter of fact, for the rapture, there are no signs that are given for the rapture. There are signs given for the second coming. And we see some of those things falling in place. That tells me if the rapture's here and seven years later is the second coming, and we see some of the signs for this seven years here, if we're already seeing some of that, that tells me how much closer we are to the coming of the Lord. It could be any moment the trumpet could sound. In fact, it could sound this morning before we finish this service, and we could be gone and be with the Lord. Watch what's going on in Israel. Pay close attention, and remember this. It's not just nations that are battling. There is a spiritual warfare that's going on. Just as all the ungodliness, and there's going to come, and they're going to come against the Lord when He comes back, the devil's trying to get people against the Lord and His people now. And we need to watch and be vigilant and be diligent. Because if the Lord did come back today, you and I would stand before Him. We'd all get to go if you're saved. But we don't want to be embarrassed and ashamed when He comes, do we? We want to be right with Him. We want to finish well. We want to have the same testimony that Enoch had before he was raptured. What was his testimony? That he pleased God. That's the testimony I want to have. Does your life please God? Are you living for Him now and doing what He wants you to do? I trust that you are. Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you for your word. There's so much that's given to us. And what a wonderful, blessed hope it is. That we know just as sure as you came the first time, you're coming back the second time. You're going to catch us out of here and you're going to take care of some business in heaven while you take care of some business here on earth. And then we'll come back and we'll have a Wonderful millennial reign with Christ here on this earth. 
And then when that thousand years is over, then we'll get to be involved in the new heaven and the new earth and all that's involved in that. But the key is we will forever be with the Lord. And what a thrill that will be. Lord, I pray for those that are here today that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that are not sure they're saved, that today they would make sure, they would settle it, because if the rapture took place, they'd be left behind. Help us to make sure. And then for us who know the Savior, may we be busy doing everything we can to take others with us, to help others get prepared. And may we live in such a way that we'll have Enoch's testimony that we please the Lord. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.